Bickley and Marotta. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley Blast. So I've got a new problem with Cliff Kingsbury, namely his best interests no longer align with ours because he wants to win a football game more than anything in the world. And I think winning a football game is the worst thing the Cardinals can do at the moment. Now, apparently he thinks Colt McCoy is his best chance at quarterback, which I guess technically he is, except these two road games should be a platform for Trace McSorley to get a real clear picture of who he is and what he can be because road games are different than home games and these two games are a great evaluation tool. I also believe Kingsbury has been through an emotional ringer with this team. I understand how badly he wants a chunk of validation, something to prove this team never quit on him. I also believe that no matter what happens, Kingsbury needs to be replaced because he just doesn't have the jerk gene you need to succeed in the NFL where players have to fear the head coach and what the head coach can do to them. Kingsbury has made it clear he cannot and will not do that. To the contrary, he continues to compliment his players for their continued fight, even though his defensive coordinator and his owner are saying exactly the opposite on hard knocks. So while I strongly believe that in the end Michael Bidwell needs to be less of a hands-on owner for the long-term good of the franchise, I believe he needs to stage an intervention this weekend because the Cardinals cannot afford to win a game now, not when a top four draft pick could be traded for the kind of gold mine of future assets that could regenerate the entire organization. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable. They got two great locations and you can find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. He's doing well. It looks like he'll start this week. So um, cleared the concussion protocol and, and feels good. All right, we've uh, we've already talked about this a little bit today, but again, I think we're in agreement that this is not a smart thing to do. And and you can understand football teams that don't quit, they want to get a reward, but there is just too much other stuff that should trump Colt McCoy taking the football field this weekend. It's an organizational decision. I I, I understand I understand that, that Cliff Kingsbury, his job is to win football games. I understand that Colt McCoy, if he's healthy, would want to play. He's the backup quarterback to Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's not there. Colt McCoy, if I'm healthy, I want to play. I should play. You mentioned Mike Bidwell. To me, and this is what we talked about earlier, being an organizational decision at this point of the season. When you talk about a draft pick, when you talk about even the health of Colt McCoy, and I'm, I'm not just saying, hey, use that as an excuse. It's legitimate. The guy just came off a concussion. He just got out of protocol. He's playing behind a patchwork offensive line. You know, I'm sorry. At this point, as we approach the final two games, there have been ample opportunities to win football games. And they failed time mm-hmm. and time yes. and time again. Yes. Now, as an owner, you step in and say, okay, First of all, you guys might not even be here next year. I got to do what's best for the long-term future of this organization. And right now, the, the the best thing for this organization is to have the best draft pick possible. Yeah, and and we yes, and we can maybe exactly. we can maybe do the best to assure ourselves of that. By evaluating our young quarterback on the road, as you mentioned in the blast. The Dallas Cowboys were able to regenerate their entire 
football team with the trade of Herschel Walker. You remember that very, very well. Oh yes. These are these are the kind of deals that come along if you if you've got a top five pick and there are three teams desperate for quarterbacks. Those are the kind of trade down scenarios that can net you multiple first round picks, multiple second round picks. The kind of draft capital you can secure out of trading out of a four spot, a three spot this year is exactly what this football team needs. So that has to remain in focus here. And, and, and I understand that that the idea of we need to finish hard, we need to play hard, all this kind of stuff. You and I both saw the end of Hard Knocks, episode seven, and the end of it was very, very painful to watch. And it was Cliff Kingsbury in a state of torment and anguish, trying to figure out what to say. And Michael Bidwell's flanking him right to his right. Mean mugging him. He was mean mugging him. Kind of mean mugging him. And he's waiting for Cliff to say something. And Cliff goes on, and and it's a very positive post-game delivery where all he did was gush about how the guys continue to fight and how the game just won't break their way and, and, and how they fight and fight and fight. And yet... It, it, uh, a similar scene from Hard Knocks. Here's Vance Joseph saying, look, I can turn on the tape and I can look and I can see who's not running. And loafers. Who, yeah, loafers. I can see people not playing hard. Michael Bidwell gets up on stage and directly tells the team, hey, look, I, I we can see you guys. We can see who's cutting corners here. So, I, again, I don't know who, the, who Kingsbury's fooling or what he's saying when he's addressing the team other than revealing who he is, which is a very decent moderate, reasonable person who can't hold teams accountable. Now, here's an interesting soundbite from our uh, Mark Schlereth interview from earlier in the week. Now, he's talking about the situation in Denver mm-hmm. with the coaches, but there is a parallel, as he pointed out and as you pointed out, but uh, I'll play the clip here, about the leadership style that you need in the NFL. I, I keep saying this. There's two types of fear. There's the biblical principle of fear, which is the fear of the Lord, right? Which means reverence and awesome respect. Right. And there's got to be an aspect of that to your coach. But there also has to be straight-up fear. Like, this dude will take away recess. This dude will cut my ass in a heartbeat. This dude will hold the coaches accountable. And there's got to be a certain amount of fear in that building. And I was talking with a guy who's been around the NFL forever, who works with an organization right now. I was doing a game, and we were just talking about a new coach. And I was doing a game, and he goes, there's just not enough fear in the building. The old coach left, and there's not enough fear in our building anymore. Oh, we're looking at too. And there's there's real truth to that. Because when you know as a player that the coach really isn't the ultimate authority, pay lip service to the respect that you give him. There's got to be authenticity about it. There's got to be that, that level of respect about it. And it's hard, both as a coach and as a player. And you've got to have somebody that people have that, like I said, that reverence, that fear of, that... Um, and they can hold everybody within that within that organization accountable. I totally, I totally agree. Yeah, I totally see. agree. And when you when you don't have that fear, it manifests itself in sloppy, undisciplined football, mm-hmm. penalties, uh, guys making mistakes, it, and then that is that is defined. They the could the cardinal even when they were winning last year, it, yeah. it is defined. Cardinal football false starts. You know, maybe, you know, illegal. Uh, motion, I mean, whatever. I mean, wasted timeouts, bad communication, all sorts of those things. They all they all fall under that umbrella because there's not that level of accountability. When when players have tried to describe what's happened in the collapses of the previous two years when the team was actually good, that was what it was. Well, you know, we we got ahead of ourselves. We got 
lost in ourselves. We quit paying attention to the small stuff. We let the details slide. That's what we're talking about here. And, and again, it's not to be hypercritical about this organization because I know at times we sound like that's what we're being. This is a very important time in the evolution of this franchise. There's a lot of people worrying where this thing is going long term in terms of when is this team going to get back in that game. And there should be. And so when there's when when you when you read about there could be a path for Michael Bidwell to retain Cliff Kingsbury because of instability in the front office and the rash of injuries he's had to endure this year, I go back to the accountability factor and the fear factor and the sloppy football they've played under Cliff Kingsbury and the amount of mistakes that you see time and time again and week in and week out and mm-hmm. the offense leading the league in penalties again and and it, so I, I I I just don't think there's enough leeway there to blame injuries and. Stay Steve Kimes, you know, the lack of uh, availability in the front office this year as a reason uh, to bring Cliff back. You know, I know college is different than the NFL, but there's a reason why he had a losing record in college, Mm -hmm. too. And I I didn't see a lot of Texas Tech football, but I would imagine some of the same reasons that that have felled Cliff Kingsbury at this level also cost him uh, at the college ranks, despite having Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback and the inability to finish over 500 with them, because they probably made similar mistakes under his leadership there at Texas Tech as they've done here in Arizona. The hope was, for me, was that I was going to see more from Cliff Kingsbury, a better depth of leader than, than I give or don't give him credit for. Through Hard Knocks, I haven't seen that. I don't think Hard Knocks has made Cliff look better. Maybe it's because the team is losing games, but uh, how often have you seen Vance Joseph on screen looking and sounding like a head coach? Heck of a lot more than I do with Cliff Kingsbury. It's tough because you want to, you want to, you, you know that Hard Knocks is not showing everything that Cliff says, but what they do show, I would imagine they'd want to show the best stuff, but there's, I mean, if I hear we got to find a way one more time, I mean, my God. I know. We got to find a way. We got to find a way. We got to find a way. I mean, it, it's, it's a little frustrating. And if I'm tired of hearing it, Guess who else is tired of hearing it? Tired of hearing it. Yeah. Amen to that. All right. Coming up on the other side, big weekend of football and a big weekend for football locally. Do you know we've got a college football playoff semifinal in town tomorrow? Yeah, right. Tim Ring, Dan Bickley. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. everybody welcome back dan bickley tim ring with you until 10 o'clock wolf and luke after that you know the drill uh i've been saying for some time now that that while we're not really good at producing championship teams in the valley we're really good at staging championship events it's kind of like our consolation prize kind of what we are big event town we're an event <laughs> uh, town yeah it's and, what we do and we're we're and we're going right into that to that very fun big event-filled month of January and February where you've got the WM Phoenix Open coming, Cactus League baseball's right around the corner, you got the big game, the Super Bowl is coming to Glendale. It all starts tomorrow. We've got a college football semifinal in Glendale tomorrow. TCU Michigan, you were able to MC the Media Day event. So uh so 
Tell us about this game. Tell what's me, what's Tim, big tell, about this tell game? Tell me about the game. What's big about oh. this game? I know what's big about this game. What's big about this game is this sudden crowning of Jim Harbaugh that's going to happen if Michigan pulls this off. You know, he he didn't have a rough first six seasons, but I think in terms of what expectations were at Michigan when he came back there, expectations were not met. He did win a lot of football games. He didn't beat Ohio State. He didn't win Big Ten championships. and Clearly, he wasn't going uh, to the college football playoff. But now you're talking about back-to-back appearances in the college football playoff. Now, last year, it didn't go that well. I mean, Georgia handed it to him pretty good. I mean, they unfortunately, Michigan found out what a lot of teams not in the SEC find out when you get to the playoffs, and you got to play one of those guys. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's a different... They're a handful. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it, it, uh-huh. you, yeah, it's a different... You're not playing Illinois. No, you know, no. you're not playing, you're not playing Purdue. You're not playing Iowa. Right. Um, but now it's a different deal now for Harbaugh now because I mean, they handled Ohio State again. They won in Columbus for the first time in 22 years. But now they're the favorite over TCU. TCU is a team that really nobody, when the season began, expected to be there. So they're not exactly a juggernaut. They're not exactly a blue blood. But they have had a, an outstanding season, Bick. I mean, they're 12-1. and they're, they're quarterback, Max Duggan. People probably got to know Max and that name a little bit late in the season because he ended up being a Heisman Trophy finalist. Mm-hmm. And he, he's a good quarterback. Uh, they live and die by the big play. Uh, they they lead the country in plays of over 50 yards or more, uh, 19 of those this year. And they've got a wide receiver. Remember this name, Quinton Johnson. He's going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft coming up in April. So there's some contrasting styles in this game. Mm-hmm. TCU and Sonny Dykes. So Sonny Dykes is a Mike Leach protege. Yep. Air and, Raid guy. And yep. Jim Harbaugh is a Bo Schembechler protege. And Three both, yards in a cloud of dust kind of guy. And both those guys are doing those things. Styles have played very, very well this year. Mm-hmm. Both teams are averaging 40 points a game. They just get there differently. Michigan's going to run the football and pound the crap out of you. TCU's going to want to throw the football, although they also have a good running back, a kid named uh, Kendra Miller. So you have contrasting styles in Glendale. And I'll say this. As you know, we just kind of touched on it. A lot of these semifinal games have not been good. No. Since the advent of the playoffs in 2014. I can't guarantee you this game will be good. Michigan could steamroll them. Mm-hmm. But I look at the contrasting styles. I look at some talent on TCU, and I say, we might, at least we have the opportunity here. Some of these games going in, you're like, this ain't going to be close. Right. This is an opportunity for in our backyard to have a competitive semifinal game. And I got to tell you, after doing a lot of homework on this game for yesterday, I'm actually looking forward to it now. I'm interested to see how the contrasting styles might translate into a very hyper-competitive game. Well, and and I think clearly the pressure's on Michigan to win this game for a lot of the reasons you just yeah. said, because there's this, it's been a struggle for Jim Harbaugh to get to this point. You got to the playoffs last year. He was team was annihilated in the playoffs last year, and now he comes in with a semifinal opponent that he's expected to win. And let's be honest, perceptually, if it, for the bigger college championship game includes Michigan, not TCU. Selling TCU TCU, Georgia, or TCU, Ohio State, I think is a lot harder than Michigan, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State. And I think that latter game, while C.J. Stroud is a, is a nice player and Ohio State's a good team, I don't know if they can hang with Georgia. So I, I don't know what we're going to get tomorrow from both games. 
I, I would, one competitive, one not, both competitive. I don't know what we're going to get. I mean, I, Ohio State has some talent. They got some ability. Now they're down one of their top receivers, but I, I would I would guess Georgia with all those dudes they have out there. I would I would not be surprised if the Georgia Ohio State game looked a lot like the Georgia Michigan game of a year ago. last year. Yep. And although I just built up Michigan TCU as to be one that could be competitive, I, I expect I expect Michigan to win that football game tomorrow. I expect Michigan and Georgia to play 10 days from today yeah. in the national championship game at SoFi Stadium in L.A. The uh, the thing about TCU is, and you know this because you've done a lot of prep work on them, their, their season, for what it's worth, they, they just... They never got flustered in games. They they made a living on coming back in games. They've got a kind of a real feisty attitude to them. There's there's an interesting vibe about that football team. They won a lot of close games. Yeah. A lot of one-score games. They're they, comfortable in those games. They, they, yeah, and you credit to them. You show a lot of guts and guile and character when you win those kind of football games, but they weren't exactly steamrolling teams. Mm-hmm. You know, they lose in the Big 12 championship game, a chance to go 13-0. and They couldn't get the job done there. They had a three-week stretch in October where they, they won in Lawrence by seven, and they they beat Oklahoma State in double overtime. They had to come back from 18 down to beat Kansas State the week after that. So that was a three-week stretch where they were playing with a house fire, and they came out unscathed each and every week. So, does that say, hey, this is a team with great character that knows how to win? Or does does that have the look of a team that is sneaking through the season, and they're about to get their comeuppance uh, tomorrow in Glendale. Yeah, and and you wonder, okay, so what if, what if Michigan pulls this off? If they run the table and they win this thing, uh, what does Jim Harbaugh do at that point in time? Does he now cash that ticket and go to the NFL? Does he go coach the Indianapolis Colts, where you know he was a star player for many years? I uh, I think everything about college football could change if Michigan wins this thing. If Harbaugh is able to win the championship and he checks that box, Mm -hmm. mission accomplished, he has not checked the big boy box at the NFL level yet. He's come close, obviously. Mm -hmm. He wants to check that box. I wouldn't be surprised that he made the move. He may make the move. He may make the move even if he loses to Georgia in the championship Maybe, game. But just getting there might be might be something where he can say, "Okay, my work here is done." Jim Harbaugh wants to coach in the NFL again. Make yeah. no mistake; he's right. not going to retire at Michigan. It's going to happen at some point. Yeah, right. And and so this would be a great year to do it because you know it, to to thump Ohio State the way he did this year. And to follow that up with a championship game appearance, that could be that could be everything he wants. All right, let's turn the page. Or before we turn the page, again, I I know you feel the same way I do because college football, you know, it it's it's so <clears throat> disappointing is not the right word, but it, their it, their schedule is so bad. They waste all of December. The the sport seems to pick up again, and you forget there's even games still coming, and you forget there's a champion to be crowned. I personally. I cannot wait to fall back in love with college football in two years the way I hope to fall back in love with baseball this year with the pitch clock. Right, because college football, when they go to the 12-team playoff, mm-hmm. it's not going to stop. And you're going to have meaningful football games yes, in December. in December. And it's, it's going to be seamless, and it's going to be coherent, and it's going to be exciting. And you're going to have campuses host those first-round games. Could you imagine a December game at Notre Dame? I mean, I can imagine. Game? I can imagine watching it on TV. <laughs> Even the biggest fan out there, uh-huh. like it's going to be how cold in the right. ice now, and snow, right? That's we're ideally looking at this. We're hopeful looking at this. It's possible that those first round game, like the first round games in a four team playoff, are often terrible. 
Well, it's possible these first round games are going to all be blowouts. No, not really, Jared. Because it's not possible. Because it's not 12 versus 1, remember. The first four teams have buys, so it's mm-hmm. really 12-5, okay? Right. 11-6. So, because those teams aren't your super, super powers. Because those would be That's blowouts. Fair. 1-12 yeah. would be a okay. blowout. Right, That's yeah. fair. Now, in the second round, you might have those You might blowouts. have them. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but again, just having it more inclusive, it just, I think, is going to mean... Everything. I do wonder, you know, the argument always is like, whoa, that demeans the regular season. I wonder if when we are living it, if we will be like, boy, you know, this Michigan-Ohio State game really doesn't mean anything at the end of the year. It's a valid point. I, I talked about it when, the, when it when it was announced, the 12-team playoff. We, we, are, we are sacrificing some of the drama of the regular season to have a way better postseason. That, that Jared just brought up a perfect example. Michigan, Ohio State. We were all riveted for, to to watch that game. It was riveting drama mm-hmm. because you you knew that the loser of the game. Well, it didn't didn't work out. For that, yeah. But 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 going into it, you, you, there was a very good chance. Winner goes on to the playoffs. Loser goes home. It's a different vibe in a twelve team playoff when the seasons for either team are not really. You know what it will really kill? You, you watch the game, but it won't be the same. The experience. conference championship games. Like well, USC, good. it wouldn't have mattered. You know, it wouldn't have mattered what Georgia did in their championship game. It wouldn't have mattered what Michigan did in their championship. And, that, and that's what I'm trying to say. Like the regular, let's just count the conference championships as part of the, a part of the regular season. Like that USC game. Like, oh my God, Utah just just punked them. They just knocked they just knocked those guys out of the playoffs. Chaos. Chaos. Are, yeah. Can you believe it? They just blew their season. USC did in a 12 team playoff. It doesn't matter. They're going. They're going. I mean, do you even watch the Pac-12 championship game unless you are home and there's nothing else on? I mean, but you just like you just there, there's no. not the, there's yeah. not there's not the same riveting drama unless you're a fan of either team as you're watching that game. It's kind of like yeah, win or lose, USC's going. Yeah, so, and so you're like, what is the point of all this? I agree. So you're, you're gonna you're gonna lose you're yeah. gonna lose you're gonna lose some of that. But your December is going to be way better in yeah. college football. Yes. And so good, good luck to the Fiesta Bowl. Have a great game. Got to stay in that rotation to host some of these games in the future. There you go. That's happening this weekend. Coming up on the other side, we are going to visit with Suns analyst and former great Eddie Johnson. That's next. He's Tim Ring. I'm Dan Bickley. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey everybody, welcome back. Tim Ring, Dan Bickley, our great pleasure to talk Suns basketball with one of our favorites, former Westinghouse great, U of I great, Eddie Johnson joining us. Eddie, what's happening? The pride of Westinghouse. The pride of Westinghouse. Tim and I were just talking that you, people don't know this, you and Mark Aguirre were high school teammates at one point in time. Yeah. Did you guys ever lose? Yeah, he transferred to Westinghouse when when I was uh, a senior. So we played one year. Uh, he played at Austin High School, and we had beat them in the playoffs. I think he scored like forty five on us, but we still beat him because we had a very good team. And he decided to transfer, and he transferred to Westinghouse, and he had to sit out like eight games. And then we, you know, we got together. Uh, I averaged like twenty nine. He averaged twenty eight. Uh, we won. We went undefeated at twenty nine and zero, and then we lost the championship game. Wow! Oh man! And so that we can, we can never live that down. But uh, yeah, Mark <laughs> was a, was a tremendous teammate, man. We had we had like ten guys on that team, man, that all went Division one. 
Wow. You know what? Uh, very talented team. You know, uh, Bickley went to Fremd in Palatine. Well, I grew up I grew up on the South Side, so I grew up watching Thornridge basketball. Okay. Quinn Buckner, nice. Boyd Bats, all those oh, guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I went to St. Viator in Arlington Heights. And Westinghouse, the guys always ducked us. I mean, no. you guys didn't want, to, you didn't <laughs> want any part of us in the Stop it. You didn't want any part of us in the Northwest suburbs. Yeah. <laughs> well, we offered, we, we offered you all to just come to our gym and play a scrimmage game to save the embarrassment. Of yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hey, let me tell you something real quick. I played a summer league game against Nick Anderson, and Anderson showed up in topsiders and jeans and scored like 45. Oh, I bet he did. And, and scored 45 yeah, still points. balled out on you. Yeah. He scored 45 points in topsiders and jeans and no socks. And I said, okay, this this is a, diff- this is a different level of basketball. Yeah, yeah, Chicago <laughs> basketball a little different. All right, Eddie, let's get into the Phoenix Suns. Uh, you on many, many oh, occasions. we got to talk about that? Yes, we are. On many occasions, you have kind of issued the relaxed message to Suns fans. Where are you at with the state of this basketball team? team kind of holding down the fort till book gets back well you know people they they don't really understand my hashtag when i say we good right uh or we feel good and look every team goes through an injury every team uh the sun fortunately over the last few years before now they've been able to escape that but if you look at the roster man it's beat up and a lot of that is because of the hard work and the traveled road that they've gone on the last few years, and it tends to catch up with you. Uh, and we see it with, with a lot of teams, Golden State most recently, right? And all their trips to the finals and all of that, look at them now. They're a match unit as well. So there's nothing that surprises you with that. I think the key is is to try to hold for it, right? Big win in Memphis, uh, a game that probably no one thought they could get. Uh, but then the disappointment in Washington. Uh, the schedule dealt them a blow, right? Got in at 4 a.m. after the Memphis game. Uh, you know, so that, that dealt the blow. But what they have to do is just try to win their share. It might leave them maybe in the play-in right now. It might leave them out of the play-in if they don't get it together. But when Devin gets back, Cam Johnson gets healthy, we don't know what's going to happen in regards to a possible trade with the Jay Crowder situation. That might leave them with about 35, 38 games left. Plenty of time to turn it around. So I'm not panicking at all. It's unfortunate to be in the situation that they're in, but it's a long season. And, guys, you see teams right now playing around, like the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers, they still won't play their players all the time. Uh, you got these teams load managing. You look at the Western Conference, what separates from the top to the bottom is only a few games. So when you look at that, you say, how do we navigate the season when it's dealing with injuries? I'm not for load management. If you're healthy, you play. But now that you're injured, the Suns have to find a way to navigate it. And it's not going to be easy. But I'm not going to say, you know, oh, we're done. Oh, we're in serious trouble because I still see light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, Eddie, I, I, I agree with you. In fact, I've been talking about it the last couple of days. I, I look back, you mentioned the Warriors last year. All right, I got the numbers. From February 9th to March 30th, over six weeks, 
a six-week stretch, even a couple days longer. They won only seven of 23 games as they had guys hurt. April rolled around. That calendar hit April. They got guys back on the court. They, They floored it. They won their last five regular season games. And the rest was history once the the playoffs began. So I mean that's that's just one yeah. example so of a there's team. There's a path, yeah. There, there there is a path. It, they, if the Suns can stay right around that 500 mark until Book gets back and you get Cam back, you get the other Cam back, and you, you presumably make a deal to refortify the roster. There's 22 games after the All Star break, Eddie. I know you mentioned 30, 35, maybe, but if it's after the All Star break, when this team is truly together. Is twenty two mm-hmm. game is twenty two games enough? I think it is. Uh, what do you What do you think? No, without a doubt, without a doubt, it is. Uh, but what they're going to have to do is win their share of games without those guys, right? And so, you know, you got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And, and if they can do that, uh, you know, they went into Memphis and beat Memphis. Okay, so we know that they're capable of doing it if they're connected. Yep. But this is a challenge, man. This is this is fun. Like, you know, I, I was in situations like this with a player where next man up mentality, you see what Golden State's doing right now. I mean, they're starting to win games, and they don't have Curry. They rested Clay the other night. They still won. They don't have Wiggins. So, I mean, if you win your share, then you'll keep yourself in, in a good situation. And that's all we can hope for right now. It's unfortunate, man, that – Injuries are happening, but we'd rather those injuries happen now than later. And yeah. so that's the way I look at it. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just the sun's time to go through it, man. And every team has had to go through it over the last few years. When this team has uh, struggled, there's there have been times when I've looked at the roster and I, I've not been comfortable with their lack of a of, of a true four, their lack of physicality, their rebounding issues, uh, not having a number two score. When they're connected, all those things seem to really get mitigated and go away. If if you could add uh, any kind of piece via trade, not necessarily a name, what attributes, what do you think this team needs to maybe backfill if they can pull it off? No, you hit it on the head. I think the physicality part, uh, you know, for people to get this wrong, I think the group the Suns have, they are physical. Like again, You see what they did to Memphis the other night, a very physical team. So they could get physical. The problem is, in a lot of situations, they're undersized. And yeah. so for like, you know, when teams pack it into the paint and they're, they're, they're boxing out for rebounds, they're not moving many people. They have to go get rebounds with their athleticism instead of their bulk. And I think that's what they need. They need somebody that brings that bulk, that his whole purpose is to control that glass and to help DeAndre. I know people get on DeAndre a lot, you know, and say, man, he's get this rebound, get that rebound. But what they don't get either is he's helping out a lot because he has to go help. Because somebody's in a compromising position in the post. So if he's the only one out there and he leaves, now he's got to get back to his man and try to fight for a rebound. Now his man has gotten very good position to get the rebound. So it's a lot of that goes into that. But ultimately, yes, I think they need, you know, during the buyout period, uh, during the trade deadline, I think not only somebody that can put the ball on the floor and go get their own shot, but also somebody that really – can go get that glass because I think those are the areas right now 
to me, that needs to be shored up. EJ, I want to get your perspective on Mikel Bridges. Obviously, the 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 need or the expectations for Mikel to be a more proficient scorer are heightened when Cam Johnson and Devin Booker aren't out there on the court. And there are nights where Mikel delivers in that department, and there are nights when he does not. And sometimes the 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 fans or or or, or people that cover the team, it's like you want to demand more out of Bridges uh, in, in, as a scorer. But at some point, is that being fair to Mikel? And I guess where I'm going with this, at some point you have to realize this is who Mikel Bridges is. You know, he's not the guy that can go out there and get 27 points a night every night. There are going to be nights when he does, and there are going to be nights when the scoring numbers aren't what you expect because that's just who he is as a player. What, what do you, what's your perspective on Mikel? Look, he's made so much progress, positive progress, in regards to just being overall a basketball player. Uh, and you know he's going to be there every night. Uh, and fatigue plays a part in it with him as well. You don't know him how fatigued he could be from game to game because he plays every game, unlike most players in this league. They won't do that. They'll take their time. Uh, the key for Mikhail, I think, is to continue to grow as an offensive player and learn how to continue to grow with progressive offense. And what I mean by this, and I'll use Devin as an example, if you cut off Devin's A move, he's got a B move. You cut the B move off, he's got a C move. He could probably get all the way to the letter E. <laughs> L, is, L is probably A, B. So he's got to continue to progress in regards to adjusting his game when defenses try to take certain things away from him. And it's not that easy but he has to continue to grow with it and keep his confidence. It is not easy putting that orange ball in the basket. That's why I laugh at people when they say, well, you know, the defense and this rebounding, the hardest thing to do at NBA is put that orange ball in the basket. <laughs> yes. You see guys having a hard time putting it in the basket on the free throw line lately. Yeah. So I think sometimes we lose sight of that. But his progress as a scorer has been really good. But he has to continue to get better. And you're right, too, on this. Not there. Paul's not Chris Paul as he once was, and rightly so, 37 years old. So he has to be one of them guys that step up and, and go for it. And don't worry about missing shots. He can come sit with me for a bit, I'll tell him. <laughs> as good as your last shot. That's right. Hashtag still good. I'm still shooting that sucker. Yeah. Thank you, EJ. We got to roll. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great weekend, my man. Thanks, brother. Uh, take care. Happy holidays. You right too. back at you. Jared, did you want to chime in and say something? <laughs> this will be good. I did. I, this will be good. Well, I wanted to tell. I didn't know if you knew. You, yeah. You're very two very bright guys, but I didn't know if you knew that Christmas through New Year's Day is the lowest week of the year for blood donations. And January is the highest blood usage month of the year for patients. So please consider making a blood donation on Sunday, January 8th at Vitalance, saving Arizona's blood drive. Schedule your appointment now at vitalant.org slash save AZ. Well, there you go. Well done, Jared. All right, coming up on the other side, great weekend of football in the NFL this week, and we'll take you through it. Tim Ring, Dan Bickley, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata, presented by 72 Souls.
Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bigley and Morata. Hash marks. All right, I suppose football fans in Arizona can take solace in the fact that we are not the only train wreck in the NFL. In fact, there might be even bigger train wrecks. The Denver Broncos would certainly be one of them. And they beat the Cardinals. And they they beat beat the Cardinals. They beat the Cardinals, pick. As Mike Florio pointed out, something weird is happening in Denver after months and months of silence. Uh, a whole handful of teammates are suddenly coming out in defense of Russell Wilson. From Jerry Judy to Kendall Hinton to Tim Patrick to Cortland Sutton, Garrett Bowles. Shut up, Garrett! All the way to Melvin Gordon. They're all suddenly, organically... Having Russell Wilson's back. So clearly, clearly somebody is, uh, has told this football team we need to rally the troops. Yeah, Jerry G, there's been a series about five tweets of him sort of defending Russell oh, yeah. Wilson oh, and, the, and clapping back against the media and oh, fans. Yeah. Or is it now that Hackett's gone? It's easier to. Is there any dynamic Maybe. there that Hack, well, Hackett's well, gone? We can. Blame him now and and, Maybe. and support Russell Wilson. Yeah, that's. I think. I think this is probably a function of of ownership coming in and saying, "Okay, listen, yeah. w- this is what we need from you," and it makes sense. But to think that the Broncos, uh, there have been too many reports of players who have just been very, very angry, irritated um, at just Russell's demeanor. Well, what, you know? is, what does he have? Like a private bathroom and a private parking? What were those reports yeah, I was reading? I didn't. He's got his own office at the yeah, stadium. He's got his own office. Really, really crazy, right? He's got I, is, his own office. Yeah. What do you need? Isn't your office the locker room? Yes. What do you I mean, need Jerry, an office for? In a, in a tweet, Jerry Judy said he got an office because he's committed his life to this game. Wow. Isn't that something? So he specifically even mentions that uh-huh. criticism. Isn't that something? Right? That's one of these things where we are stuck with this guy and we have to make this work. Man. It's it's unbelievable because uh, who knows? Maybe he has a big bounce back year next year. Mm-hmm. But if things continue the way they are, that could be both one of the worst trades of all time. And one of the worst signings of all time. It, you're not in the kidding. same move. You're you're not kidding, and that's simultaneously. And it's to to me, it really is a matter of okay. Denver is a great football city. Um, there's a great vibe in that stadium. It's a great market. You've got very rich owners, but who wants that job with that piece of quarterback? I uh, guess it would take somebody who. I, Believe well, uh, well, would would Waldron the the OC out of Seattle want it? I mean, first of all, it's a big raise. Money mm-hmm. talks. Yeah, uh, I don't know how he personally feels about Russell Wilson. Maybe there's a good relationship there. Maybe there's not. I mean, Dan Quinn would probably take the job. He was a finalist. I don't know, man. You'd have to be somebody. Yeah, you'd have to be somebody who's been waiting for an opportunity and would jump at the opportunity, yes. and and not somebody like Sean Payton who is just going to wait and pick and choose his best opportunity. It's Unless, real simple. If you have options, that yeah, might not be high is. on the list. If that's you're a coordinator is. making a million dollars a year and you're offered a job that pays six million dollars a year, you're taking the yeah, job. It's true. What, Jared? I was just saying, unless Sean Payton only remembers. The Russell Wilson 
when he was a coach. Yeah, but and how no, great and amazing that was, and he's sort of like overlooking what he's seeing as an analyst. Yeah, I, th- I think I think uh, Sean Payton's a little too smart for that. So, uh, all right, other things happening in the NFL this week, and I'm very interested in this Packers Vikings game, Tim, because I'm really I, I I'm I want the Lions to get in just because I, I just like their story. I don't want Aaron Rodgers in the postseason, and the Packers are in position to pull this off. They beat the Vikings, they get the Lions next week, and then they win both those games. They're probably in. Yeah, this Viking game is at Lambeau, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Packers are favored. The, the Vikings, to me, credit them. They, they've won 12 of their 15 games. They have found a way to win close games. Again, that shows some character and some ability uh, to close and to finish. But I just... I don't see them as being a, a viable threat to come out of the NFC. I'll tell you that, despite that twelve and three record. So mm-hmm. I also see the Packers winning that football game at Lambeau Field. I think the Packers go down to Miami. They 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 get that W, and I, I think they've kind of got it rolling right now. So that Packer Lion game is going to be. That's- the Lions stubbed their toe last week a little bit to uh-huh. kind of derail what they've been doing. Yep. You don't like Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, huh? No. I don't like Aaron Rodgers anywhere. Anywhere. And and again, and so and along those lines, you've also got a big game this weekend between the Panthers and the Buccaneers and this is this is going this game is going to go a long way to to establish whether or not Tom Brady's getting into the postseason. Now, and whether Steve Wilkes and the Steve, gets the permanent job. Well, it, and there are people right now you talk about players coming out in support of someone. It, it's been a nonstop procession of Panthers players saying, this is our guy. This is the guy we want. There's no better leader of men than this guy. It's stunning to me that this has happened to Steve Wilkes with a football team that was, what, 2-7 and seven at one point in time? Well, not only did they fire their coach, they cut their starting quarterback and they traded their, their best, best player. player. And they traded, arguably, their leading receiver to the Cardinals. Who's that? <laughs> exactly. What? When did that happen? We got a great receiver. <laughs> he must have paid great dividends upon uh, his arrival. I, uh, I'm I'm joking. Mm-hmm. I literally forgot about him until Robbie you just Anderson? brought him. Yeah, okay. I, I seriously literally did until okay. you just brought him up again. I, what okay. is he? That's unbelievable. How many catches does he have here? Like four? Zero impact. Three. Very little impact. So the Panthers, they're six and nine. And, and again, it's it, it, the, the idea of Tom Brady, you know, getting into the playoffs and then suddenly making noise. I just don't think that's I'm not ready for that. I don't know if I can handle that. Well, they're, they're not. I, I, they're, he's not going to make noise. He may get in. They, they, On the home game. They're not. They're not going. It'll. It'll be probably against Dallas. Mm-hmm. That they'll that, have five less wins than Dallas and host them. Yeah, that and, crap right. I just watched on Christmas night is not winning a playoff game. You would think Tom Brady throwing two yard passes. Yeah, I mean, come on. You would think, but they clinch if they win this weekend. And- oh, I think they'll be in the playoffs. I, I would think they'll probably win this game this weekend, but I don't see them. They're not going to make noise in the playoffs. Yeah. It's really hard to get a vibe on. on uh, People are suspicious of the Eagles. Are they really that good? Uh, There was a stat yesterday that if you took every one-score game in the NFL and reversed the outcome, the Vikings would be 1-15. That's how— That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? That's how, and as you pointed out repeatedly, their their plus minus is five. Yeah, their plus five. But 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 see, but also though, as we've sort of circled around and pointed out, that is 
in, in, over the course of a 17-game season, that's pretty short. That's the difference between good teams and bad teams. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals have been in a lot of close games also. Yes. And they've done very badly in them. Yes. The, the, you know, when you execute at the end of games and, and when you make big plays when you need to, when you make the right call when you need to, yep. that's why certain teams are good exactly. and other teams aren't good. It's, yeah. it's, it's There's not, not that many blowouts no, You're exactly week. right, Jared. You're no, exactly but right. But also, guys, you can look at point differential as a very good barometer of a team's dominance in, in, in the National Football League. And like, you know, for example, yeah, the Bills are plus 157. The the Cowboys are plus one forty five. The Eagles are plus one thirty seven. Those speak to teams that. But look at the NFC North, South, and West. Okay, but the Vikings are. But hear me out though. The Vikings at twelve and three. Do you know what their point differential is? It's plus five. Yeah, bro. five points. Five points. I know. That's what we're saying. Well, is that point like? Were you going to make Jarrett? Well, I mean, for, in a conference where the point differential everywhere is not good. Yeah. It's the difference. It's those little things that just... I, I agree with you. And it does add up. I Listen, th- there are people who the apologists want to make a case that, oh, the Cardinals have been so close. So close. No, the reason they keep losing these games is they are inherently flawed. That's That, I think, is the problem. And, and the Vikings, there is two ways to look at it. Either they're frauds and this can't keep up, or... They've proven time and time again that they will Listen, make the right play at the right time and the right Justin call. Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook, they're not frauds. Now, will that quarterback come through when you need him to? He's done it so far, but we'll see. All right, coming up on the other side, the 9 o'clock hour on Fridays, if you, if you ever wanted to live through shenanigans, we call it the Jared Carlin hour. Oh, he just oh. He kind of commandeers the I 9 did, o'clock I, hour. I didn't even mention that I have a song this uh, week. Uh, you didn't have to. You don't think I knew that? Well, Vinny never seems to know it, even though I've done it. Every week during Cardinal season for five years. <laughs> the Jared Carlin Hour is next. Folks. Oh, no. Stick Don't turn off the radio. Tim Ring here for Vinny. I'm Dan The Pickley. Variety Hour. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.